Hi there, welcome to Victim to Victor, the podcast dedicated to empowering abuse survivors and inspiring healing, hope and positive change. I'm Anu Verma, a published author, and in every episode, I'll sit down with a guest and embark on an insightful conversation about trauma, as well as practical strategies to start the healing process. So let's get started. I hope you enjoy the show. with me today I have Shelley Healy who is a fully qualified angelic Reiki master and teaches people why they feel stuck in old stories habits and deep-rooted traumas she's particularly passionate about improving cellular health to enhance our natural healing abilities Shelley specializes in energy management for children and gives intuitive support and healing to parents the techniques she uses can help families learn to manage their own emotions and be more mindful in their everyday exchanges. In this episode, Shelley shares her personal experiences of complex post-traumatic stress, postnatal depression and autism, and how energy healing played a starring role in her life. She discovered how to connect with her children despite challenges with bonding at birth, amongst other ways to build and maintain good relationships within the family. our wonderful Shelley Healy all the way from London no I well, I used to live in London I'm I'm actually in Swindon at the That's moment the yeah yeah I'm in Swindon but I did spend four years in London when my uh, twins were really small oh lovely yeah it's always the accent I think anyone who's from north we just assume everyone's from London <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm actually from Wiltshire originally um but uh, yeah oh, lovely. I'm, I'm I'm in Swindon at the moment oh and welcome to the victim to victor podcast it's so lovely to Thank have you. you on because I know today we've got a lot to talk about which I'm really excited yeah. about um <laughs> yeah so um as, as I explained in my introduction uh, Shelley is um an angelic Reiki master Right. Yes. And yeah, an Akashic healer. Yes. Which we'll talk more about. And she's also um, a survivor of postnatal um, depression. And again, I'm, yes. Again, yeah, I'm really interested to find out about your journey on that. But first of all, I'd like you to talk about who you are and you know where you come from and why you're in this line of work that you're in. Okay. So, as you said, my name's Shelley. Um, I grew up in. Uh, a small village outside of Salisbury in Wiltshire. Um, I sort of came from a very sort of religious background. All my family were very much heavily into the church. Um, I was quite a inquisitive child, um, and but I was always very sensitive to my surroundings and also the surroundings I was in at school. Um, and that's that's kind of where it where it all started really um was you know me being a sensitive child and um sort of the initial sort of trauma I think that I had was from being at school um I was five years old and my teacher threw me out of the classroom because she didn't like something that I'd said and that was the moment that kind of my life changed like I felt like I couldn't be myself 
Um, and so from that point, I put up a mask and I was just, you know, doing society, like doing, you know, just going through the, the run of things and just going through the process of being a child, doing as I was told, um, keeping myself in this bubble that was um, Christianity and real sort of um, indoctrinated into that kind of system of, um, you know, we we don't sort of share what's going on outside of this, this bubble. Um, and I think when I got married, it was all very much, uh, I'm getting married because I have to get married before I can have children. And also I felt immense pressure that I needed to like follow in the footsteps of my parents, like you get married, you have children. So by the time I had my daughters, it was almost like a people pleasing. And I know this might sound um, really bizarre. I did want to have children, but I think there was, an, there was very much a, oh, when are you going to have children then? You know, when you get questioned, when are you going to have children? And I was sort of, oh okay yes I suppose that's the next step but I it was never really my choice it was like it was a it felt like I'd been disempowered and put into this place of you must because this is how this is this is how life is you get married you have children so I had I went through a pregnancy with my twins um who were um, pregnancy was fine up until about six, six and a half months when I went into premature labor. Um, I had them by emergency cesarean and it was almost like I hadn't been pregnant at all. It was most confusing and traumatic experience, but I didn't realize that at the time. Like if I could, if I look back at that situation, I didn't realize how it was almost like I completely detached my emotions from what I'd just done. Like, oh, yeah. do you see what I'm saying? So yeah. those, those five weeks that they were in intensive care, um, it was a really rough start in terms of, I hadn't seen them for 24 hours at least. Um, as it was, you know, they were taken to to ICU immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them stopped breathing twice on the way over and had to be resuscitated. So there was all this mm-hmm. stuff going on, mm-hmm. but I was completely numb to it. It was like, oh, so that's the end of my pregnancy then. There was no, wow. um, mm-hmm. you know, there was no, oh, 35 weeks, 36 weeks. You know, there was no sort yeah. of that run up to, to, having, to having my children. and then five weeks in intensive care and with various complications but managing sort of managing through it and I was doing trips to the hospital twice twice a day um which was you know traumatic in itself because it's like I just want my babies at home Um, and I don't think my husband really knew at the time how you know what was going on either it was just all we were just doing life this is how life is now that's you know sort of thing and then when we eventually brought them home they were off 
oxygen and they were off, um, they had their tubes removed. So the nasal tubes that they were being fed with, they had that removed before they came home. So we were feeding them, but it wasn't an easy task. So there was all this stuff going on, but I fell into that overprotective nurturing role initially. It was very much, I'm doing all of this. I need to keep up with this. I need to make it regimented. I need to be in control of this because I was out of control with the pregnancy. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. So, and then because I was doing everything, I, there was an expectation, I think, on my husband to also be that hands-on dad, but he'd also disconnected and didn't really know what he was doing either. So there was this big, if I'm looking back at it, I could have said, well, actually, you know, he just didn't want to get involved or, you know, he just, you know, wasn't, he just saw me doing really well with it and thought, well, she's got this, I'll just leave her to it. And the reason why that was a thing really is because I was not communicating to him, A, my needs, B, the fact that I couldn't do it on my own. Yeah. Um, and it was, I'd gone in, got into this trap of being the mother, almost like mm-hmm. a single parent, because my husband was always working. And it was just, it was just me with these two babies. And I felt mm. so under supported. Mm. I did fall into that. Like, yeah. I don't know if I can do this long term. And, and I was really questioning, can I do this long term? Like, yeah. But I, I wanted to feel all the things um, with, you know, the, um, the unconditional love I wanted you know I I expect I almost expected it to like oh it'll show up one day yeah yeah but it never did and it was like why am I not why am I not feeling like they're my you know I, I remember saying when they came home from the hospital it's almost like I'd picked up some some children or I, you know I just they they were so disconnected from me there was no there just didn't seem to be a bond there Okay, I mean, and, what, what did you do with um, breastfeeding? Okay, so I um, I breastfed for two weeks, but I couldn't breastfeed them. So it was, oh, yeah. there was, it was all just very mechanical. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Basically, it wasn't, it wasn't. And then I, because I wasn't having, I didn't have that connection with my babies. It was almost like, my milk dried up. I was trying to express, but wasn't expressing enough. Yeah. And then it got to a point where I, I just can't anymore. You know, I couldn't anymore. So it was very much, a, okay, we'll switch them on to formula. You've done what you can. Yeah. Um, exactly. But even then, you know, it feels like you haven't done enough, you know, because you're not, you're not continuing that, yeah. that breastfeeding. And the fact that they never actually got that chance to latch on. Yeah, of course it's going to, it's going to impact you, isn't it? Because every mother wants to, wants to try that, um, wants to try to, you know, have that experience. But um, unfortunately for me, it just didn't, just didn't happen. Um, And that sort of post, the postnatal depression was diagnosed quite late on so it was about okay. three or four months old my my twins were um, I'd literally had to kind of 
try and get some support from somewhere I was sort of didn't really I I had family members sort of dotted around where I was sort of living but it wasn't I just wasn't that type of person to ring up sort of ring up and say no I actually right I need you now (laughs) I wasn't in that mental place of being able to it was like yeah but this is my responsibility I can't just be asking and I didn't realize I was unwell until it got to a point where I can't do this anymore like I need to get some help so um I did actually call my mid um midwife no health visitor health visitor yeah um I called my health visitor um and she came around immediately um luckily she was on call anyway and sort of came around and did sort of diagnose um there and then that that was what was happening and then they put me on citalopram Okay. I was on 30 milligrams um, of citalopram, which I was on for, I think, in total, about two years. Oh. Um, well, I'm not sure that they did really. I mean, I could function. Um, you know, I'll, I'll give them that. I was definitely able to... Yeah. Um, my mood was lifted I was definitely able to continue um being a parent okay that's good but it didn't really do anything in terms of get to the reasons why I was so the root of the in a space of not being able to take care of my kids Mm. um as well as I wanted to you know I I had to I'd always become reliant on the tablets because they were getting me through Mm. but I knew that that wasn't really um it was kind of making me numb I was just doing a job rather than actually connecting with my children yeah and I feel like as well when you're put on when you're put on um you're put on tablets um it's it, it can be a really sort of numbing experience in terms of you not really relating to your children or you're sort of, I don't know, treating them like then. I felt like, if, yeah, it was almost like I, they, I was treating them like an inconvenience. Yeah. If that's absolutely. the right word. It was yeah. almost like I was really, I seemed to be really angry, like mm. for some reason. And I couldn't put my, and I'd, I'd, I'd used to tell myself things like um, people like me shouldn't, shouldn't have kids. And, you know, I was really horrible to myself oh, yes, like yeah. during that during that time yeah and it's like wow and 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 I was kind of thinking where is this all coming from like when I was back in my rational mind mm. which wasn't until sort of much later um I I thought oh, this is all wrong I'm going to need to come off tablets even though they're helping me to function they're not really they're not really getting to the root of it and I'm still mm. I'm still acting like I've got this this um, deep sadness and anger that I don't know where it's coming from oh, at this so that's, point. That's interesting. Even with the tablets, you could still sense that. I could really? still, I, yeah. I was still reacting. Yeah, I was still reactive. Mm. The tablets weren't making me any less reactive. No. Okay. Um, the tablet, what the tablets were doing were helping me to to lift my mood most of the time, but there was still occasions where I would 
switching to kind of sleep deprivation was 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 a huge thing for me I think yeah. because I you know I wasn't getting enough sleep yeah wasn't getting enough sleep no tablet is going to help you with 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 that no. you know no antidepressant or anti-anxiety medication it's going to sort out sleep deprivation right no, exactly. so you can be on tablets and and still react to your kids because you're just mm. tired you know exactly. you're just tired and you just want somebody to come along and say have a couple of, you know have a couple of days I'll take yeah. kids you know and just get yourself back to normal and maybe we'll do this once a month so that you, oh, <laughs> so that you actually so have some you know some real time to yourself yeah. and I really craved that but I didn't know how to ask for it and I didn't know who to ask it's showing vulnerability I guess it really yeah. is really I was trying to keep this like this stiff upper lip because I suppose in some ways the religious side of my family were very much we don't show what goes on behind closed doors okay this is you know this this is who we are and we're we're god-fearing people and (laughs) we're all religion which religion uh, it's um well I say religion it's it's Christianity oh it's Methodist Methodist yeah so we were kind of there were all these rules and you know you you had to kind of it was just a really sort of strict Mm, you know church on a Sunday not just once but twice just Mm. real sort of from a really young age um almost had to keep a mask on every time you walked out the front door because you couldn't be yourself ever Mm. You know, it's like you have to adhere to these rules and, and that's that's how it is. And I think, you know, that goes with education and everything, doesn't it? They've all got these little sort of yeah. um, institution type sort of, you, you, yes. let's keep you restricted. Mm. And I think with the postnatal depression, um, because I'd kept in so much emotion from all the things that, I'd always been told to kind of hide yeah. um, and not been able to, to express myself, hence elemental expressions, because I just can't now. <laughs> um, you know, it's it, because I'd kept that so hidden, it really impacted my relationships that I had sort of had and then into my marriage and mm-hmm. and again it was all very much I'm hiding I'm hiding uh-huh. and then having sort of having the twins and then hiding again because because if what if um I was to be myself and then get bad reactions from people because I'd grown up if you're yourself you get bad reactions from, from people awful yeah. so it's just it's it really runs deep. It's not mm. just you've got postnatal depression. No. Okay. No. If you look at depression as a whole, right? Mm. People like in the health, in the health and profession, sort of the health profession or, or, you know, GPs and things like that, they give these labels to the stage of life that you're in. Like, oh, well, it can't be postnatal because you don't have children. So, but you, because you have children, we're going to label it postnatal depression. But it is actually trauma. It's depression. It's anxiety. Mm. It is, it and it's rooted in trauma. Yeah, they just yeah. give it this name because they can't explain any any other way. They're not 
they're not in tune with the deeper reasons or the root of where that might come from. Mm-hmm. If they knew a person's actual history, yeah. they would realise that actually that's just surface level stuff. It is, it is. You can't just throw pills at it. No. Don't get me wrong. I really needed my tablets. I really needed them. Um, Some people don't do well with them. Some people are quite sensitive to them and go completely the opposite way. I I know people that have actually taken their own lives from having been put on antidepressants and then going in completely the opposite direction because they, and they were given the wrong medication. So it, it, it depends on the person as well, I think. Yeah. But, I'm not the sort of person to pill shame because I think, you know, no. for some people they are really necessary. Absolutely. You know, we're sort of talking rare cases where people have sort of adverse reactions or they can take yeah. you deeper deeper into depression without you realising it. Yeah, absolutely. But I really feel like for me personally, it was a, I needed them just to get some sort of clarity initially of okay so what's happening now what's going on and they did do that for me you know it was it was very much okay now I can function (laughs) Mm. um but there were days where I was really tired still yeah um because I sorry so I was gonna say because a a lot of this um I don't know if you've ever looked into like the hormones you know because the fact that our hormones just go haywire especially post-birth you know we've got estrogen and progesterone running through our bloodstreams which gives us that amazing hair and the bright skin and then suddenly when you give birth they just absolutely disappear yes depleted exactly so yeah like in a way I was thinking wow I I wonder if we could take some kind of hormone um, replacement therapy post-birth you know yeah that, that could impact it well, I feel like it's, it depends, it depends again from person to person, doesn't it? Because it's not always hormones. Mm-hmm. Um, it is, it can be hormones for sure. Um, because yeah. if you think about it, you've given, you've had this child inside of you, it's moved all your organs out of the way, everything's dysfunctional for about between sort of, well, in my case, six and nine months, yeah. right? So wow. it's all, it's all kind of, your body has gone through so many different changes during that time Yeah, that it's not surprising that you can be out of balance during like the first few months of, of having postnatal depression. The thing with me was it wasn't just postnatal depression. It was childhood trauma. Yeah. Okay. And it was, and as I was finding out sort of through my spiritual healing journey, it ran beyond that into past lives not all people do past lives and that's absolutely fine but in my line of work I absolutely do believe in them and I absolutely understand as well that things can be cyclical in terms of if you've experienced something in a previous lifetime Mm -hmm. it can also impact you in this lifetime um again that's it goes so deep when you work Mm -hmm. with with the spiritual side of things that balances out the physical emotional and mental I had to go on that hopeful, holistic journey because I just knew it was right for me. Yeah. I yeah. just knew that I needed that harmony. It, it was more about me getting my balance back Absolutely. on those, through those four body systems. Um, yeah. You know, and like you say, with the hormones as well, it's not just 
it's not just looking at the, the you know the four body systems, but it's also looking at um, how you're eating during that time. Are you lacking in something? Because you know, to be honest, on my on my second pregnancy, so with my son, okay, um, I had him in Hillingdon Hospital, which was West London. Oh yeah, oh. and he. I was just, I was just, uh, came out of hospital without any, they were supposed to give me iron supplements. Okay. I didn't come home with any and I just didn't think about it. And of course, then I became anemic and then I was having all these panic attacks and symptoms that linked to being anemic. Okay. Um, and I didn't realise again until it was far too late and also vitamin D, I didn't have enough of that either. No, so the no, doctors no. gave me all these <laughs> and course, then slowly yeah. I came back again it can be down to vitamin deficiency yeah. when you're pregnant if the hospitals don't tell you you kind of don't think yeah. about it because you're again your mind's been messed with you've just Absolutely. had a baby so you're not going to remember yeah. this stuff do you know what I mean yeah. it's like there's sometimes in hospitals there's a lack of um not knowledge, I would say just awareness, um, awareness of, yeah. you know, this woman has just been through an experience mm. that has shifted their entire being. Mm. Of course, they're going to need more. They've just, they've literally just had a baby. <laughs> um, yeah. But I completely missed all that. Nobody had even mentioned it to me and I had no clue. No. Um, and because my, my second pregnancy wasn't the same as the first one. Um, the first one was obviously, you know, there was all this sort of uh, the trauma-related um, yeah. birth. But then my, again, in my pregnancy with my son, mm. again, trauma um, almost lost me. Yeah. Yeah. So I had to be pumped full of fluid because my blood pressure completely crashed. Um, there was lots of stuff going on. Um, but again, that experience changed me again because with that losing sort of almost losing consciousness and just being out of it, Mm. um, neurologically things just weren't, weren't quite right afterwards yeah. it was like I was a completely different person when I came home <laughs> so there was all this stuff going yourself. on wow. no so okay. birth trauma is a huge huge catalyst for postnatal mm. depression also because okay. you're also dealing with a separate trauma yeah you know besides whatever might have happened in childhood yeah so it, it's basically looking at those experiences and realizing that actually unless you give them like the love that they deserve like okay so you went through that how can I nurture myself in um releasing the emotions that attached that are attached to that wound extract the wisdom from that wound because once you go through something like that you have like a, a vast well of knowledge that you can help other people with mm. um, besides doing any sort of, you know, healing work or being trained in a, in a modality. I mean, that was my bag. I went sort of through the angelic Reiki system when my, my um, twins were four, five. Okay. 
So I I trained to in that modality um, angelic Reiki when I was sort of about 32, 33 years mm-hmm. of age. And I, I just went through that system of healing because I needed that to try and understand all the stuff that, I, that we'd gone through as a family. Um, and it really assisted me to see exactly what was going on for me, you know, mm. just for me alone. Yeah. Um, and then after going through that journey, I sort of several house moves later, again, there's, there's a whole other story to that too, but I then started looking at myself in a completely different way because I could also see that through the process of the depression, the anxiety and post-sexual depression, sort of having that sort of label initially as a, as a parent, um, I realised that I hadn't really looked looked at my needs fully like what do I, what is it that I actually need in order to feel like I've got this parenting gig yeah <laughs> like because I I realized I reached out to a to a relationship coach actually um, in the end because even though I was doing my my spiritual work there was something else missing that I really, really needed. I need, I need to find out what this is and how I can sort of hold myself accountable for really looking at my needs quite deeply. Yeah. And then I came into um, contact with a lady who I just knew I had to work with. You know, when you get that impression from someone where you just know you need to work with them. Yeah. <laughs> and I reached out to her and I said, do you do anything on bonding? Because this was the, this was the subject that was coming up. Like I couldn't bond with my kids, and I didn't understand why fully at that point. Like yeah. I understood that the 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 um, premature birth had impacted the situation, but I just needed somebody to kind of talk that stuff through. Like, um, why is it that we don't relate to each other as well as we could? Like, and is mm-hmm. there is there a possibility we could bond? Like. I'm just putting it out there. Like, can we bond? Because at the moment I don't understand why I can't, like I, we don't relate to each other, like in a, in a real heart sort of deep heart and love space. Mm. So anyway, I reached out to this lady. Um, and I, I booked, I booked one-to-ones with her for 10 weeks. Best decision ever. Yeah, wow. it was the game. It was the game changer. I can honestly say, that if you get a knowing or a feeling of somebody that you need to work with, you just go for it. Really, because what, what basically, happened? what happened was, we discovered through the first session I had with her, mm. was that I felt like a child looking after children. Okay, wow. I felt like I was a child still, mm. mentally. Yeah. I hadn't, I, there was like this huge gap that I'd completely missed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I had to go back in time and I devised this way of how to converse with my younger self okay. um, intuitively through writing a conversation. So I would tune in, write out in, in a quite a spiritual and like rooted way um, and write out this conversation I was having with my inner child. Okay. 
So I would, you know, ask her how she is today. What does she need? Is there anything I can help you with? Um, What do we need to do next? Do you feel like you can give me some wisdom to help us in our journey so that we can help other parents and children? There was all this stuff sort of I needed to have a bond with my inner child before I could relate to my own children. Yeah. So it was very much um, a bringing myself back to myself. Like Mm. I understand that you went through some stuff as a child and it wasn't just, you know, being bullied in school. There was a lot of other stuff going on too. Um, You know, very traumatic stuff Um, uh, from being sexually abused from the age of seven right till the age of 13. Wow. So it wasn't just, you know, Mm. uh, having sort of, a level of abuse from teachers it was also I was always also getting it outside of school as well so there was this stuff and and because I hadn't really delved deep into that and I didn't know how to ask for help and I didn't know how to get my needs met this was the, the game changer it was all very much a process of okay I see you I completely feel you I'm so sorry your needs weren't met mm. I'm now 44 I was 42 at the time, 42 years of age. I'm now going to be the best parent you've ever had. Wow. And it was very much a conversation of, um, okay, so your parents may not necessarily have known what to do because of their trauma, right? Um, They didn't understand because of their trauma. That's okay. It's okay. Yeah. Now I get to be responsible for how I feel to make myself safe, to make myself protected, right? Yeah. To make myself speak up regardless of what, you know, reaction I might get from the outside world or whatever. You know, it's all very much a, you're not going to get hurt because... I'm now the grown up and I am going to, I'm going to be your parent. You're, you know, you, you deserve to have the best parent. I'm going to give you the best parenting. Perfect. And then from that, things started to shift in my own family dynamic. Okay. Meaning that I was seeing outside of me what I, the work that I'd done within. So if I can explain that in (laughs) simpler terms, basically because I was loving on myself I was having, seemed to be having more connection with my three children. Perfect. Um, it's not perfect. We still have our things, but we stand back and we say, okay, well, so what's going on here? Okay. Yeah. It's all very much, uh, from a viewer's perspective, an observer's Mm. perspective rather than wading in. Mm. I can't say I don't react anymore because yes, I'm a mum and yes, I get tired still. And yes, I do react. (laughs) However, there's a difference this time in that I'm so, so aware of my triggers that I can go to my children and actually heart, hand on heart, apologize if I've hurt or upset them. Does that make sense? So it's very much a, I, you know, I understand Mm. the whole, like, the dynamic of um, the ancestral, like being passed down, you know, traits, you know, your parents, you know, did sort of parent you in a certain way. You then think that that's how it's done. So then you take that forward. And because it's an energy exchange, 
that's how it works. So, and if you've got anything like that in your family lines, either side, it doesn't matter how far it goes back, it can be passed down. Even if you haven't experienced it physically or directly, it can actually, those, those traumas can actually be passed through for for you to kind of say, no, this isn't happening. I'm going to resolve this. Mm-hmm. that's that's all there is to it yeah okay um so yeah it's and sort of through that process it meant then that I could delve deeper into spiritual healing practices which meant that I could train in a different area to um bring in uh, you know deeper wound wound healing um working through the akashic records which is a system um that it goes incredibly deep um, and it brings past lives and everything else into it too. Um, not a quick fix. It's something that if you want consulting on, you need to you know, give yourself that time and space to do it because it's life-changing. Wow. Um, so, yeah. That's I wouldn't be where I am today had I not had um, the assistance of holistic, looking at life as a holistic mm. um, vision if that makes sense yeah absolutely yeah and it's not just as easy as just popping a pill as you all know now it's Mm. about looking at you know the root root of the issue which when you're going to see your GP you don't have that time we have like 10 minutes max with our GP and you can't talk about your traumas so this is why I feel it's so important to try and get additional support whether that's through a spiritual healer um you know a therapist and only that way you'll be able to un- uncover the, the root of the problem. So what, what would you recommend uh, for my listeners, you know, if they, m- m- they, might, they might be pregnant now and they might, they might be worried about postnatal depression? Well, I think um, the first thing to say would be that you might not. There's every chance you will have your child and you will love your child. Mm. If there's anything that I can give you to take away that's of value today, really nurture yourself. Mm. Tune into yourself. It's all, you know, it's great to have um, a healer, a mental, uh, you know, a spiritual guidance, uh, you know, going through the Akashic Records. Fantastic if you feel like you're drawn to it, yeah? Mm. But if there's one thing I can say as for being a new mum or somebody that's going through pregnancy again and is worried about that, mm-hmm. it is just purely hand on heart, we've got this. Yeah. We've got this. Whatever we've done, whatever we've experienced, mm-hmm. we've got this. And I never, like, if you're having a conversation with your younger self, because this is where the wound's coming from and the triggers are coming from, Mm. if you're questioning about whether or not you're going to have postnatal depression, that's your inner child worried that you're not going to be able to cope because you still feel like a child. Absolutely. You still feel like a child. You have to take it at that level and say, I am never going to let anyone hurt you. Mm -hmm. You know, really nurture yourself with the right foods. Look at your health as an overall perspective. Um, you know, and that, like, people like me were out here to help you. Um, but you can do this yourself. You can do this yourself. You're, you're more powerful than you think. You've yeah. been permitted to think that you yeah. that, that you. 
can be. I just feel like um, the many sort of uh, new mums and and uh, second time mums, third time mums out there, mm. and beyond that, um, it's always a learning journey. Just see the learning in it. Mm. Even if that happens, like even if you do fall into depression. There are people like me out there that can help you, that can give you accountability, that can take you through the process of, okay, if you feel like you're out of control, we can get you back into that headspace of, okay, so I have this child. How do I feel around this child? What is it that I need to do to get myself into the right headspace to give my child that love that they deserve? And actually, I deserve myself first. Yeah. 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 It's true. Yeah, it is true because when we have a child, it's all about them and we forget about ourselves. So it's understandable that our needs aren't met. And especially, you know, because a lot of partners are out working as well. So, you know, we're not with them during the daytime. Exactly. Exactly. And and not only that, I think sometimes the dads feel a bit powerless too, Mm -hmm. because they want to help. Yeah. They do actually want to help, but sometimes they don't know how and their inner child is, I don't know what to do. (laughs) And and that's okay, you know, and just if you find that the partner isn't completely hands-on, like it's because they're scared. Mm. They're honestly, they're scared and and they're not bad people. They just have the same, they've probably gone through similar Mm. or same traumas that we have. And they've never had that edge. They've never had it seen or heard. Mm. You know, they've never been able to um, acknowledge it for themselves because they're too avoidant of feeling their own feelings. Men are very much like this. They don't do their feeling. You know, they're not open and honest like the female are because, again, that's been kind of like the patriarchy has come in and, you know, you don't cry and you don't show emotion and you don't do this. And it's ingrained in them. And, And, you know... Our expectations as women have to kind of, you know, give them a break. Like yeah. they do try, like they want to help. It's just the communication needs to be there before that can happen. Exactly. And like you said, you know, when we've been brought up in a suppressed culture, yes. then ugh, communication's difficult. I, I remember I found it, it difficult. Yeah. 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 It, because you, it's like that whole shame of mm. like being. Like, I can't, I don't, I don't, I don't measure up. I'm not enough. It's this whole not enoughness. Like, I'm not enough to be this child's parent. I'm not enough to, like, give this, this child the love that it deserves. What if I do it wrong? Yeah. There's one for me. What if I do it wrong? And what if I've got, like, my, my mum or my mother-in-law on my back saying, oh, we did it like this. You should do it like this. Let's compare stories. Let's not compare stories because it's largely disempowering. And I really feel like a lot of women and a lot of men need to hear this message. Like Mm. you have got this, you have got this, Yeah. you know, holding space for parents in this way is, is really transformative. And, mm. you know, I'm, I was always sort of, when I first started my journey, if I could just help one person yeah. just get into that, like clear mind of, Oh God, it's not just me one. And secondly, I don't have to blame I don't have to blame anyone anymore. I can just take responsibility that my needs weren't met as a kid. Okay. Let's look at that. Yeah. And then see how things change. Do you, do you see what I mean? 
Absolutely. I love that attitude. Yeah. And I remember with me as well, it was the fact that, um, okay, I was comparing myself to other moms and I was putting myself down because I felt like I wasn't as, as good as them as well. And that's a horrible feeling. I know. It's. I think for me, it was the mums and toddlers group. So I used to try and get out of the house, meet mums and things like that. But there was all this pressure. Oh, are they walking yet? Oh, have they done the potty training? Yeah. Oh, and it's like, no individual child having a unique learning experience end of story right if they're not potty trained by the time you know they're three and a half there's something wrong yeah something wrong no no (laughs) what it is 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 that their mind is different to your child's (laughs) mind I'm not forcing my child to do anything that he's not ready for I will take my cues from my child because I'm guiding him I'm not in control of him or her. Exactly. <laughs> you yeah. see, I'm just talking from my son's perspective because, oh, yeah. you know, he's, he's, I was basically child-led with him. But um, oh, yeah, it's, it's very much a, these, yeah. these children are, need to be nurtured. Yeah. And, and in order to do that, you need to nurture yourself first. Exactly. Um, we're we're really important beings aren't we we are we are absolutely we we can't function it's i I gave this analogy to my son who is now nine um he is autistic and Mm. um he but he's incredible like he's absolutely incredible he blows my mind every day um and i said to him mummy can't help you because she needs to plug herself in. She's got 2% battery. Okay, I like that. He relates it to his tablet, basically. (laughs) So his device that he uses to play Minecraft and things like that, he's very much, oh, mummy's got 2% battery. I'll just leave her be for a bit because he can be quite demanding. So um, it's like mummy's time, go ask daddy or go ask your sisters, basically. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's um, mm, it's an interesting true. one. But, uh, it, you know, there's little analogies like that are really, really helpful for kids because they see it in a completely different way then. It's like, oh, mummy doesn't want to spend time with me. Uh, am I not enough for her, you know, and all, all this thing? No, it's because mummy's got 2% battery and she just needs, a, like, a, a bath or a, yeah. you know, or she just needs to kind of sit in silence for half an hour just to breathe and you know and just just to have my time oh thank you so again it's that's such a powerful story of your journey and um wow I'm really wowed at um, just how you've managed to handle it and especially what you're doing now I mean it'd be great if you could explain more about angelic reiki and then just go more into akashic healing as well yeah so angelic reiki um, is a hands-on mainly a hands-on healing although I can do it remotely Um, and it's very similar to reiki in in the sense that um, you know when you're attuned um, you get downloaded with symbols um, at the time of attunement so you don't necessarily need to remember the symbols um, but what it is it's, it's kind of a bit like psychic surgery <laughs> so um, hands on so I'll have a hand on the higher heart and a hand on the solar plexus and then ask I, I will then ask your specific um, or perfect angels to come in and give you the most positive and um, 
you know, for your highest good, the, the best healing that you can have in this moment. And then I allow them to run the energy through me as a conduit for 20 minutes. Okay. Um, that's one way of doing it. There's several different ways you can administer angelic Reiki. Um, there's a multidimensional um, way of doing it as well. Uh, there's all sorts of different ways as a self a self healing method. Um, I still use angelic Reiki in in my sessions occasionally. It's very much my spiritual journey has been based on that. Even though I've had treatments from other sort of styles of Reiki like Seikem, um, Yasui. Hmm. karuna things like that um i've had sort of little snippets of experience of um but angelic reiki really spoke to me because for some reason when i had any sort of healing from any other uh practitioners it was very much um you know i would have they kept saying to me oh we've got all these angels here they're ready to work with you they need to work with you so when i went into angelic reiki it was very okay so these angels want to work with me mm-hmm. so on a spiritual level that really really spoke to me so that's why i learned that one and i kind of used it more as a personal um and spiritual development tool more than i did as a practice for other people however i do i did have lots of testimonials from clients that did have angelic reiki healings from me and um, completely wowed people from, you know, um, clearing their energy so much that they fell pregnant um, when they've been trying for years and wow. things like that. There's all these all these little stories that I've got. Um, prolonging a cat's life was was the funniest one because he'd been put into shock from being scared from a from a, from a dog and sort of had lost, like, was completely non-responsive for two days, and then uh, um, I sent healing to this cat. And uh, um, as it was on its way to the vets to be put down, it jumped out of the car and ran back in the house. Oh, my goodness. Fantastic. There's that one. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's all sorts of little sort of stories about that. But when I came into an, an um, Akashic Record, that was very much uh, um, because I was working on myself through the traumas. I needed, I felt like I needed something next level to sort of um, learn to bring to other people sort of on a deeper level. Um, beyond what I'd already learned. Yeah, okay. Um, and so I've been on sort of a six-month journey through this Akashic practitioner um, mm. level of, of uh, healing, which is very much like a consulting base. So um, if somebody perhaps was to come to me for an Akashic reading, I would need their date of birth. I would then channel where their soul origin is. Um, so you know, where their soul comes from, um, what characteristics they would have as a soul, um, you know, and also the uh, the shadow side of the of, of the, the soul profile as well, because there's polar opposites, mm. um, you know, bring through their healing methods, what, what suits them most, um, and that kind of thing, what they value, um, and also sort of going through any layer that needs to be released right now through the power of uh, incantation. So, we go through certain blocks in the energy field, um, where they're being held in the chakras, um, whether be, whether they're past life ancestral or in a child uh, or present, um, that kind of thing. So it's very, very in-depth and it's very time-consuming <laughs> and very sort of involved. It's a in very involved and interactive healing. Um, and... The reason why I'm doing it is because I had mine read by my mentor and it absolutely blew me away. 
And each layer that I keep sort of pulling up for myself, I keep becoming that empowered person that I always felt that I could be and and should sort of am basically. Um, So yeah, it's, it's a really powerful tool and one that I'm very, very excited to get sort of working with, especially on levels like sexual abuse, you know, and trauma and things like that, because that's something that I've already worked with and, and, and around, um, sort of different traumas and, and things that, uh, I've had deep experience with that I've managed to transform um, and I'm now very well equipped to transform other people's lives with that tool too. Oh, fantastic. That. And again, it's the first time I've come across, um, you know, Akashic healing. So thank you so much for um, explaining that to myself and my listeners. And so... You're welcome. Um, yeah, it's fantastic. And the fact that you're, you're going through this process at the moment, you're, you're like living proof that it works. Yes, absolutely. And I. I mean, there's still, there's always layers, isn't there, of, of stuff. But um, I find that with each sort of, with each healing that it goes, you, you know, you just get more expansive and you just, you just really tune in to that, that profile of your soul and like really bring out those gifts and abilities that you have. Um, because we're all sort of born with gifts and abilities. It's just, we get so disempowered with conditioning. We don't get to show those until, till like we're much later on when we get to think hang on a second is this so all there is like eat work mm. sleep repeat what <laughs> do you see what I mean so it's like <laughs> is there more to it than that and I think mm. some people sort of go through life with with not really understanding that actually there's a deeper level to yourself that can bring out talents and gifts and and, mm. and specializations that work with you that actually you could have a complete passion for mm. and live your best life with yeah um, absolutely you know yeah, it's true. And so what are you doing now? Are you actually, um, do you have your own healing pra- practice now? I do. So I um, run under the name of Elemental Expressions. Mm-hmm. Um, so I am on Instagram at elemental.expressions and the website is www.elemental-expressions.co.uk and all my services are on there. Um and at the moment, as I'm coming to the end of um, my practitioner for Akash- Akashic Record, I have plenty of clients booked in. So I'm fully booked to wait April at the moment um, oh, with those. Wow. But um, on a sort of on a consulting level, that's that's huge for me um, yeah. because that's one of my sort of specialisations is is in consulting okay. as a as a soul. Beautiful that. Okay, fantastic. And um, again, I'll be adding all your links into this description box so that my listeners, they can get in contact with yourself if they wish to work Thank with you. you. Or I guess if they have any questions as well about any, yeah. of, any of your journey yeah. and your processes, which is fascinating. So Yeah, I mean, I, I sort of, I've started sort of channeling my own sort of meditations and stuff like that, just so that mm. people have um, something that they can use on the daily Okay. Uh, to get them into new habits and, and and things like that because sometimes when you go through life and you know you you don't give yourself that time to kind of ground not take on anybody else's energy yeah. um you know really sort of protect your energy in a spiritual way can be really really empowering and there's there's yeah. plenty of stuff like that on the website where, that you can kind of like tune into and and just uh, you know have a look at so yeah it's all good yeah no again thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story you are welcome 
very empowering story, I must say. And yeah, I'm just, yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing, you know, where this journey takes you, you know, with your new Thank you. practice. Yeah. So thank you very much. <laughs> so listeners, I hope you enjoy this episode. And as I said before, please do get in touch if you have any questions. It's been an honor serving today. And again, thank you to my beautiful guest, Shelley, for sharing such an empowering story. Thank you. Yeah, brilliant. So I shall see you all in the next episode. Until then, keep shining your light. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of Victim to Victor. Subscribe so you don't miss out on new episodes. And be sure to follow the podcast on socials to keep updated on what's next and share Victim to Victor with family and friends to help grow the community and spread the positive healing energy. 